Today, I have Vishal Rampadarat. He also goes by Victor. He is the founding president of Discourse Agency, a company that focuses on diversity, equity, and inclusion through proven strategies used in law enforcement and community engagement. Victor dropped out of high school to pursue being a businessman. He had a rocky start, but he figured things out. He started his career in an MLM. While that didn't work out, he learned some important lessons which he was able to use in the future. He was a senior key account executive for a global provider of promotional products. He eventually launched his own business doing the same. Victor always made sure to outwork his competition. Listen to follow his journey and learn the steps he took to get to where he is today. Visit nodegree.com to start your journey. Subscribe to our Patreon at patreon.com slash nodegree. Every contribution is appreciated. This show wouldn't be possible without you. Let's get this show started. Today on the No Degree Podcast, I have Vishal Rampadarat, also goes by Victor. So can you give a brief introduction of what you do and a little bit about yourself? Yes, Junaid. How are you doing today? I'm doing well, man. Doing well. Good, man. Yeah, so my name is Victor Rampadarat. My birth name is Vishal. Who I am and what I do today. So I guess I'm a serial entrepreneur. I guess for a lot of people would say that that's what I do. I'm just someone who enjoys being in business for myself versus working for someone else. I enjoy delivering value to my clients, being paid accordingly for that value. Uh, These are the things that I am passionate about. I've been in multiple industries. So I'm industry agnostic, product agnostic, service agnostic. It's really about finding a need in the marketplace with individuals who are underserviced and really delivering a value to that niche and gaining market share, right? Like that's the goal for me. Currently, right now, COVID uh, cannibalized a couple of my companies, so it's been really interesting. In you know March of last year, I uh, got back from Aruba, and I thought things were going to be amazing, and I was in for a surprise, man. The last year has been a wild ride with ups and downs, and I think that's a perfect analogy for life as well as entrepreneurships. There's good times and bad times, and currently, right now. I'm working on a startup, which I'm very excited about. There's a couple of them actually that I'm working on, but one of them that is in the limelight now and people are starting to hear about it. And and that's the one I'm most excited about at this point in time. Nice. So you've really done a lot. Now, let's kind of take it back to high school or earlier as a teenager. How was life like for you? How was school? And what did you want to be at that time? As a teenager, I mean, I was really engaged in just being a kid, man, like just enjoying life. And being out there with my boys and my, you know, what we called our family on the streets and and really taking it all in, man. I grew up in a rough neighborhood in a a suburb of of Toronto called Scarborough, more specifically a place called Malvern. And Malvern uh, has the highest concentration of youth in Canada at the time. And it was interesting because it was a melting pot of people like myself. I'm Guyanese. I was born in Guyana. My family's from Guyana. So it was a lot of Guyanese, Trinidadians, Jamaicans, Sri Lankans. People of Caucasian descent were sort of the minority where I grew up, right? So yeah, it was very different. So it was like you were around family, you're around people, you was a vibe. And um, at that time, it was just a really cool point in life where it was like really about the experiences. And at that time, for arguably speaking, I was a businessman. Like, I mean, I was doing things that, you know, you probably shouldn't be doing, engaging in certain illegal activities to make money. 
you know, some of this stuff that I'm talking about, my parents don't even know the whole truth, right? Like they found out some stuff, they still don't know some stuff. And it was funny because I watched the documentary on um, Notorious B.I.G. last night. And it was funny. There was a, a point in the, in the in the documentary where his mom says, I don't know if you could ever be so mad at a dead person because she had found out that he was moving uh, crack cocaine. And it was like, you know, I'm sure if if the stuff that some of the stuff I was doing ever got out, my mom would be pissed to be like, I didn't know my son was doing that stuff because you come here as immigrants and you probably know this story. All you're doing is you're focused on working. When you leave for work, you don't know what your kids are doing. But my parents were good people and they wanted a better life for their son. That's why they came to this country. And my better life was not their version of better life. That's what it kind of boiled down to. High school, you're doing a lot of stuff. You're already, you had, you were business minded, you're business oriented. Now, what sort of came next? Like, what were you doing around 18 years old? 18 was kind of an aha moment for me. So at 18, I'm going to say that my hubris led me down a path to believing that I wouldn't say above the law. I was willing to to take a little bit more risk where I've always been someone who was very quiet about some of the things that I did. There was an individual who was talking, allegedly talking a lot of stuff about myself and my uh, younger brother. I was not okay with that. So I rallied some troops and we ventured over to his high school and there was an altercation and uh, it ended up with him in the hospital and it ended up with me being arrested that evening. And um, the reason I say hubris, because I knew the person, I knew where they lived, they knew where I lived. And for me to do something like that in broad daylight at a school with thousand plus people, that's hubris. I'd already had articulated the escape plan what road we'd come down, what road the police would take. Like I had the whole thing mapped out. So I knew that we would get away, but I knew that evening I'd be arrested. So I went home, took a nap, and um, I'll never forget, as I'm napping, the door knocks, and I'm like, yep, police are there because no one else is going to come knocking at the door. And I hear them talking to my brother, and he's like, yeah, I was there too. And I'm like, dude, why why did you say that? (laughs) Right? So he gets arrested. And then, you know, they're asking for me. I come downstairs, I get arrested. But when they're placing the cuffs on me, so the way it happened is, is, is my understanding is they, they blocked off the street so that, you know, we couldn't run. And when the two officers come up to the door, because I think it was three cruisers that they sent or something like that, my mom at the time was taking the bus. So we had a catwalk that came. So if she was driving, she wouldn't be able to get on the street. But I was hoping, because I looked at the time, I know what time she usually comes home from work that they would take me away before she got home. And it just so happened that as they were placing the cuffs on me, she was walking up the driveway. And I remember the look on her face, utter disappointment. And she said my name three times. She says, Vishal, Vishal, Vishal. And she's shaking her head and she starts crying. And in that moment in time is, is burnt into my head. And I thought to myself, man, what did I do? Because I never wanted her to see that. Even though I was doing all this stuff, like I didn't want her to see that side of me, right? And I think that in that moment, I was very challenged by my thoughts. But, you know, at the end of the day, like I got in the station, I knew exactly what I needed to say, you know, tell me who it was. I don't know, like James, Joe, whatever names I threw out. You know what I mean? Like, you, you know, you're not a snitch, right? And then they're like, okay, you know what? You got some people here to to take you home today. And, uh, you know, we're not going to hold you because you have no priors. And it seems like you come from a good family. And, 
and I'm like, okay, like it didn't make sense till they, till they re- released me. And then I see my parents standing there and I thought it was going to be my boys. I thought it was going to be my, you know, my crew. And it was my parents. And in that moment, I realized that the people that had my back were the ones who really cared for me. And, and you know, the next day I remember going back to school and people who were there like, Yo, what happened? Like what happened? You know? And I'm like, you know, this happened, but I thought to myself, where were you? That was really the pivotal point for me to be like, I need to make a change. What change did you start to make? So at that time, I just, it was really a lot of self-assessment and introspection because I wanted to be a better person, but I didn't know if I could. And it was a really dark point in my life. Like that happened March of 2001, 2002, somewhere around there. And basically it was a lot of introspection. And I remember feeling like a huge failure. Like I couldn't do anything right. I was disappointing my family. I didn't want to be a part of the life. What if I, you know, if I had a family, like, you know, there's a song that Tupac, you know, it's called Changes. He talks about rat, tat, 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 tat. You know, you're always looking back because you don't know about who you hurt, somebody you you wronged, somebody you did something to that are coming back to get you. And I knew that I didn't want that to be my future. I didn't want that to be my everything. At that time, I, I considered like committing suicide because I was just like, I can't do anything right. And uh, it was just one day that I was supposed, I was supposed to graduate that, that year. And I didn't graduate instead of like, I went to the graduation just to like, you know, smoke some weed and see some friends. And afterward we were going to McDonald's and this car pulls, like I'm at the mall, the Malvern mall, which is across from my high school is literally this car pulls and I see brake lights. And in my head, I'm like, who's coming for me? Cause I see someone stop brake lights, right? Like you saw me and you broke. And the guy starts reversing. I started like, yo, who is this dude? And then all of a sudden he winds down the window and he's like, hey, do you ever look for other ways of making money? And I'm like, yes. And he's like, all right, well, listen, I'm a businessman. I'm just coming from a meeting. I got to go. Hey, why don't you give me your number and we'll talk. I gave him my number. I'll never forget. I got a phone call and then he booked a meeting with me to go to a meeting at the Malvern Mall. And we had a quick, he sketched out some stuff on a paper and it was network marketing. And I was like, okay, this sounds interesting. I don't have to hurt nobody. It sounds legit. That's what started my first business, which, you know, you were an IBO, an independent business owner, right? And I was like, okay, I'm in business. I'm not doing the bad stuff anymore. I get to do like legit stuff. And uh, I'll never forget the night where I went to the meeting and uh, they literally drew on the board a bunch of stuff. But the only thing I remembered was time plus money equals freedom. And when I saw that, I was like, that's what I want. That's what I'm after. They got you though. <laughs> they they, they, they got, dude, <laughs> they got me and they got me for about four plus years and a lot of debt and a lot of whatever. But I tell people if it wasn't for that group of people and it was a good experience at times. And at the end it was a really poor experience. Like I really got to see some true colors of some people because my thing was I'm a businessman. I mean, I'm all for the let's succeed and grow, but I'm a businessman at the end of the day. If I'm spending X and I got no ROI, no return on investment, how many days can you open your shop without seeing a return on investment? No, you need to make money. You need to pay your bills. Right? So there was a time where I was like four years in, I was like, I need to shut this down and I need to go pursue something else. And they all said to me, you're a quitter. You're this. The one dude was my upline diamond. At the time, Like they looked at me like, oh my God, there's this guy who can speak. He's passionate. So they had me on stage speaking to like 500 people on a Thursday night about this opportunity. Like if this guy can do it, you can, you know what I mean? Like I was being used like that. 
And I was like, no, I was fine with it because at the end of the day, I believed in the opportunity, but he was upset because they had created me as like a marquee type individual in the organization. And then I was leaving and a lot of people were like, why is this guy leaving? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when you said you didn't make money, like, what does that mean? Like, are you making zero dollars or is that you're making 3000 but you're spending 3000 on workshops? Like, how is it? Because network marketing, they don't talk yeah, about you're it. Making, you're making money, but the investment that you're putting out, the time, the energy, the gas, the late nights, the this, the that, there comes a point in any business where you have to do those things. You know, the problem is with a lot of people nowadays is they don't believe they have to put more in than they get back out in the beginning. You got to do it. But there comes a point where, and this is the realization I got to, was that I was depending on other people to take ownership over their business for me to succeed. The problem with that is that here's the thing. When somebody's boss called and said, hey, we need you to come in and work late tonight. They'd be like, oh, sorry, we can't make the meeting. And I'm like, dude, this is your business. That's your job. Right. That was just my mentality. But every single time people would prioritize the paycheck over their business. And at the time, it wasn't cool to be in business like it is today. Today, everyone's in business. I got a side hustle. I got this. That time, 2001, 2002, it was not cool. It was go to school, get a good education, get a good job, work till you're 65. That was the game plan. Right. And I knew that that was not my game plan. Now, if you don't mind sharing, like how much does someone actually realistically make in sort of network? Like the real number, not like the guys who's on stage, like I make $10 million and I have 10 Ferraris, like the actual real people who you kind of see come in and out. I can't remember the exact number that I made, yeah, just to, range. Be, to be honest with you. But like, I remember like my smallest paycheck was probably my first paycheck, which was like a dollar something. And then my largest paycheck, I don't know couple grand like it wasn't much yeah so nothing crazy nothing crazy listen i wasn't successful in that space to be honest with you because of the thing my problem was this i'm coming from the hood bro you're doing a business where you got to genuinely help people it's a hard line to 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 understand because you know you're looking out for me 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 and you're trying to be like i want to help you 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 and it just it's hard because how you speak to people you know, like if you're not willing to come to the meeting, I'm like, you're broke. Yeah. <laughs> and they're like, nobody wants to hear you talk to them like that. Right. I'm like, you're going to be broke for the rest of your life. If you don't prioritize this meeting, you don't know what you're doing. You're going to go work a job for 65 years and I'm going to be rich. <laughs> and I would tell this, to you know, and it's like, you can't do that, man. You just, you can't do that. But like that's 18, 19, 20 year old me. I'm coming from the streets. And to be honest with you, there's still parts of me that are 38 and I still do that stuff. I'm not perfect, bro. Yeah, yeah. So now you did it for four years, right? You kind of realize, hey, it's not really generating a return. What came next? After that, at the tail end of that, I actually started working for a company called Adler International. And they were a um, they were a promotional products company. So, you know, the guys that made the calendars and the pens and the hats and the jackets and the T-shirts and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, stuff like this, right? Like these... I got this one, like the webcam slides and all these random. Yeah, exactly. All of that swag. So I did that towards the tail end. And, and that's when I really started to realize, like, listen, this thing's not making money. It's put me into a lot of debt. I had a lot of debt coming out of that business. And if it wasn't for the company that I worked for, I worked in sales. I'll never forget. I got into that job and predominantly they wanted you to have a post-secondary degree. Right. They wanted some sort of formal education. And when I was a high school dropout, I remember the, the HR person goes, well, you don't really fit the typical profile, but I really like 
you and your, uh, you know, who you are and the way you speak. And I'm like, you know, that's the four years of training that I had in network marketing is to be able to walk up to anybody on the streets, say, hey, my name is Vishal. Nice to meet you. Do you ever look for other ways of making extra money? Right. And I could talk to anybody anywhere. Didn't matter. Time, day, who you were, doctor, lawyer, janitor. It did not matter. I was bold, sold and told about my dream. So I was willing to do that. So when I went into this job interview, they were like, wow, you really impressed us. So I'm like, thank you. So I got the job and I'll never forget my onboarding. The managers, they have a, they have a specialized team that deals with like very big clients, the U.S. government, chemical companies, FBI, CIA, like, you know, because everyone's using swag. It's just like they've been around forever. They start in their garage in the I think like 50s or 60s. I literally say to the guy, I want to be on your team. He goes, you got to work here a year. I said, I'll see you sooner than that. And within a few months of working there, I think it was like five, six months I was on his team, right? And it was just that drive and determination to be better at whatever I do. I, I have to win. It's just this innate thing in me that I just have to win. Nice, nice. Now, how long did you stay at that company and how was your rise up? So obviously you got a promotion within six months. What was your journey at that company like? So I think I was there for a couple years until I realized that the team that I made it to is a straight commission team. So you catch what you kill, basically, right? And the challenge is, is in the summertime was the absolute worst time to be working. Everyone's on vacation. No one wants to talk about anything. And we got to work there for free. And everyone else in the company gets a guarantee. So if you don't sell a certain amount, you get a base salary, except for us. And I'm like, we're the highest performing team in the company. Why do we not get the same perks and advantages that everyone else does? So we had this thing called a draw. If you made the money, so you could take a draw, but when you made money, you have to pay it back. I'm like, so we're responsible for bringing the most revenue for this company, but yet we have to take a draw and pay it back when we make money. Like, I, like it doesn't make sense. So I, you know, me and a colleague, we tabled this thing. We talked to our manager. He liked it. They liked it. You know, they moved it up. And then when someone found out about it, they came back and said, who are these guys and why are they trying to like get this thing going? And at that time, I realized I could not make change within that organization. You know, I'll never forget. I started talking about wanting to look for other work, not being happy. At that time, I became public enemy number one. They were gutting for me, man. And I'll never forget, got called into HR and they said, hey, we understand that your morale is not great and you're telling people da 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 da. And I said to myself, well, you know, that's just what it is. And they're like, well, we're going to ask you to resign and uh, quit. And I said, nope. And they're like, okay, we're going to have to fire you. And I'm like, okay, great. Give me my package. Right. And uh, they gave me my package. And within six to eight months, I had started a com competitor company because <laughs> I figured, hey, listen, if I could do it for them, I could do it for myself. And I did that. Not work those six, to eight months or what'd you end up doing in the time between? Yep. So at the time between, if you get laid off in Canada or you get fired, you can apply for something called EI or employee and assistance. So it was the first time I'd actually take that to build my dream. So I took six to eight months of that to go and build this business. And it was interesting because when I started, I started to make some noise. Unfortunately, within a couple months of starting the company, I got a cease and desist letter from my previous employer. Really? Oh, so you had to shut down? I had to shut down. After getting some traction and really moving and shaking. And I actually started the company with my old supervisor. He was unhappy too. And I said, let's go do something. And we did it. And 
it started to get some traction because he was doing, I knew what I was doing. We knew who the vendor system was. And uh, we got a letter from their lawyers saying, hey, guys, like you signed a contract. You need to cease and desist. And so we did. And unfortunately, my girlfriend at the time, who was my fiance and then wife, I worked for the company and she actually got, she had to sign some documents and released later on afterwards because it was a conflict of interest. Oh, sorry to hear that. So now what happened? You got the cease and desist. I, I can imagine like, damn. It was things were moving well. What what came next? What was running through your mind? Yeah, you just do whatever it takes, right? So I got a part-time job and I met some cool people. And funny enough, one of the people I met at that company ended up being a, a business partner later in life in this story. So, you know, like we met at there. He was talking about his family operated business in China at the time. I was like, man, cell phones are gonna be the next big thing. Like this was before this, this is, is like when, 2005, dude, right? Dude, dude, 2005. this is this, yeah, this is like two. This is actually no, this is like 2000. This is before the iPhone. So this is after BlackBerry. Because Blackberries were hot. Blackberries were hot. You had a BlackBerry, all the corporate phones. I remember that. Yeah, I got a Pearl, dude. I was walking around at the time with my business BlackBerry, and I've always like I've usually carried two phones at times in my life, depending. But man, I was like two BlackBerryed up. BBM me on this one. BBM me on that one. And I'll never forget the iPhone drop, but I knew that phones were going to be the future. So I was looking at ways to get these charging bars in shopping malls. So I'm like, dude, we should take a trip to China and talk to your family and see what's going on. We never got a chance to do that because once my business started picking back up because I had the cease and desist was gone and I started being, and I actually genuinely enjoyed there because it was a sales environment. I got a chance to work and dude, I ended up working for a place that you're not supposed to work for. Unless you've worked at a smaller store. It was like the top performing store. But I literally walked in, said, who's the manager? The manager comes out. I said, hey, my name is Victor Rampadrat. Nice to meet you. I'd like to work for your company. And he's like, firm handshake. And who are you? And he's like, dude, we don't hire like this, but please put your resume in. I've got it here. We have to pull it from the online. And I'm going to interview you. And he interviewed me and I got hired there. And there was a lot of hate for me actually Starting there because people are like, what store do you work at? I'm like, no store. (laughs) (laughs) I just walked in. (laughs) I just walked in, bro. And, you know, I started as a seasonal and he's like, I want you to, like, it was just for a couple of weeks for Christmas and I performed so well. He's like, are you willing to stay on? I'm like, yeah, yeah, 100%. I enjoy this. So that's kind of what happened next. Nice. Now, what was your next big thing? So you had that, you're building up your savings, you're building up different ideas. What was the next big idea for you? You know, business started to really flourish and pick up and, and it was good. And then 2009 hit. Oh, man, that's marketing budgets got crushed. Yeah, we were we were doing well. We were growing. Things were going well. And then 2008, 2009. And it was just like, my God, you know, 75% of the business. It was crazy, man. It was it was literally a time in my life where I was just like, what are we going to do? I just bought a house. Oh, that's yeah, that was Tough time too for a house. Yeah, no, but I bought the house because of the market like not doing well. But at the end of the day, like it meant that the loss of clients was not good, right? Because how do you pay your bills, right? So I ended up getting another part-time job at a, a local gym. It's actually the largest gym in Canada. That's where I met my second business partner. You know, so it's, it's funny because I'm usually there for like no more than like you know, anywhere between eight months and like 16 months or, and they're all part-time. None of them are full-time, right? It's just like a three hours a night, two hours a night, just to make a little money to pay some bills while I build my business in the day. Right. So it's like 
my day was my real thing. My side hustle was the part-time job that allowed me to build my business. Where today it seems like it's the opposite. Everyone's got a full-time job and a part-time side hustle. Whereas I had the full-time business and the side hustle was the job. That's interesting. So how'd you manage it? Like, did you make sure to save money? Like, how'd you sort of ride through the waves? That's the one thing. Financial literacy is dead in this country, in my opinion. Because, you know, one thing about coming from an immigrant family, when you come here with $75 in your pocket, you learn how to save, man. I was with my mom clipping coupons, being like, okay, you know, something's on sale. The limit is four. They're like, all right, I'm going to buy four. You go stand in line and you buy four. You know what I mean? Like, that's how you save a buck. And unfortunately, that's not always the best mentality long term because it doesn't tell you how to teach you how to save, not how to invest and make money. But at the end of the day, it allowed me to create a savings account or a buffer that allowed me to ride through some of these waves for sure. Okay. Yeah, no, because I know a lot of people, they'd love to just do something part time, build full time, but literally the, the income. So no, that's always good to sort of know. So now you go through the, you lose 75% of your business. You What's the next thing you sort of want to build during this time? So at that time, there was a, a client of mine who was a friend and client and all that stuff. And I actually tried to acquire a part of his business. And he had a jewelry company. You have Shark Tank in, in the US, but before Shark Tank, there was a thing called Dragon's Den. So Dragon's Den actually originated in the UK and then Canada. And then they did their spinoff with, with the US called Shark Tank. So Robert Herchevec and Mr. Wonderful were part of the original Dragon's Den. He was on there. He pitched. He got a deal. They did a debenture deal. And I wanted to buy a part of this guy's company. The They wouldn't allow for it. But I started to realize as I was looking at the books and I was helping him with some stuff and we did a couple of photo shoots and magazine spreads and stuff for, for the brand awareness that the beauty business is great. <laughs> you know, like here we are in 2009, 2010. And my business is like, okay, clients are like, sorry, we don't have a marketing budget. Sorry, we have to cut our marketing budget. Hey, we have to reduce our expenditures, blah, 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 blah. And he's like, we just signed this company. We just got into Target. We're in, you know, and I'm just like, what the heck? Right? I'm like, this is awesome. Like, unfortunately, I can get a piece of the business. But in the back of my head, I'm like, beauty. People spend money. So I needed something recession proof because I already seen it and I don't want to see it again. So the partner that I met at TELUS, him and I got together, random message, had dinner, one, two times, and we got on a trip to China. We just flew there. And we didn't know what we were going to do specifically. We just knew that we had talked about it before. He was at a place in life where he was, you know, in a job that he wasn't perfectly happy with and knew that there was supposed to be more for him in life. And for me, I was in a business that was at a point where I was like, okay, do we rebuild this company or like, what are we doing? We just got on a plane and, uh, you know, we did some really cool stuff that I'm very proud of. And we figured it out because he, he's, you know, I'd like to say he's a very smart gentleman who uh, has a wonderful business mind. You know, myself have no one or two things and together combined, we really you know, part-time, we made more money than a lot of people make full-time in their businesses. What beauty products did you end up selling? So we started actually just importing. It, it began with just importing goods for one of the, you know how you have Groupon? Yeah. We have something here that's similar and they have, I think, a million subscribers plus or something like that. So we were just doing deals on their website and we were running up two, three deals a week and just moving, moving product over and over and over and over and over again. And then we got into uh, B2B, 
So we would wholesale to B2B. And then we started doing white label. What that is is basically saying, hey, you want your own in-house brand? We'll create it with the manufacturer and you can run through all your stores. Then we started selling into B2B. And then we went direct to consumer because we're like, the margins getting smaller on B2B. So let's go B2C. We got into e-com. We saw some real great success there. We were iterating before the word pivot ever became a thing. Yeah, yeah. Pivot is hot now, but... Hot, hot, hot. Just like entrepreneurship, hot. I was an entrepreneur before it was cool. I was pivoting, iterating before it was cool. Are you still involved in that business now? We are, but we're about to... Uh, COVID was not kind to the beauty space and the salon space. So we're actually uh, discussing an exit right now because uh, he's moved on to bigger and better things. I moved on to bigger and better things. And the business no longer makes sense, but it's still profitable. But uh, yeah, we're just going to look to exit it. Nice, nice. I mean, you've obviously just been involved in so much. Now, what are some of the mistakes you've made, right? In terms of that really, that really stick out that you're like, damn, I, if, I, if I didn't do that or I'm not doing that again. There are so many. It's unbelievable to be able to tell you all of the mistakes I've made. And, there, and like I said, there are plenty. And I still make mistakes. I make mistakes all the time. And anybody who thinks that they're not going to, don't be a human being and don't be an entrepreneur. Yeah, no, mistakes is just, it's just the price you pay. I don't know, man. Like memorable mistakes. I think, you know, one of the things that I had to learn is, is how to talk to people. And I, I'm still working on that because I grew up in a rough neighborhood where there's a lot of strong talk or real talk and sometimes a little bit rough around the edges. So, you know, that's something I consistently work upon. Bad deals, handshake deals. Like, you know, I come from a place, word is bond, right? Like you shake someone's hand and it's good to go. And I've done some things where I've shook people's hand and they've gone back on the deal and they're like, where's the paperwork? I'm like, that's something that I can say was was a really tough pill to swallow. And that one just, you know, to be quite frank with you, I've been an entrepreneur now for almost two decades and that just happened last year, right? So like, I said, still making mistakes, man. I'm not perfect. Maybe I just believe in humanity. Maybe I believe that the code of like a handshake deal means something to people, but clearly it doesn't, right? So, you know, those are just two top of mind. But like I said, there's countless, countless, you know, I always tell people like if I could go back to 18 year old me and give him any piece of advice at 38, and I'm sure it'll be different at 48 and 58, but at 38, I would tell him to fail often and fail forward. I think I spent too much time on things that were getting to the end of their life and hanging on versus being like, okay, that was a great ride. The business wasn't as long term as I thought it would be. I've made some great money doing it, but the sales are dwindling. And the perfect example is the promotional products business, right? Because we pivoted or iterated from just a promotional products company to a printing company. Then we did graphic design. Then we did web design. So we became full service because our clients were saying, hey, this looks great, but can you pair it with that? I'm like, okay, let me find someone. I'm like, why are we finding someone? We have we could just hire talent or outsource talent. My business partner had a graphic design background. So we just started taking on more business and it allowed us to own more of the customer and, and to each customer to increase average order value and and you know the value of that customer to the business. But at the end of the day, it really started to wane when you had things like Vistaprint, technology, disruption, right? And it's like, well, why am I working with you guys when these guys will do it for $9.99 and free shipping? I'm like, how do I make money doing that? They're printing offshore, right? So you start to realize that these businesses all have 
a life cycle. And you, I think every savvy entrepreneur needs to understand when they have a business that if it's taken too long for it to win, don't quit the entrepreneurial journey, quit the business and figure out something else. I like that. I like that. No, because I've seen it happen where people just hang on to think too long or they don't sell while it's hot and they lose out on crazy opportunity and they miss out. All right. Because our time is the most valuable thing we have. Now, what are some mistakes that you see a lot of people come, you know, because I know you mentor people, you kind of you're in business with different people. What are some common mistakes that you kind of see happening in this day and age today that are easily avoidable? Assumptions is a big one. A lot of people assume things without having context or conversation. So I think that that's a really huge one for myself is just, you know, if you are assuming something, I think it's best to clarify and then ask clarifying questions. So you have all of the context and then you can make a proper decision based on the information that you have. Another one is integrity. You know, I feel like a lot of people today don't have the integrity that was back in the day. And I think that has a lot to do with society and individualism versus communalism and like caring about other people versus just caring about yourself. So those are two big ones. You talked about the mistakes of failures. What would you say you did well? Like this is a common thing. Like this is what you did well throughout your two decades. Like this is what you're known for. When I said earlier, I'm just too stupid. It's like I'm, I was too stupid to quit. I just have dog damn determination to never quit. And I think if I said I did anything well, it was just that. It was the fact that even though people wrote me off, I never wrote myself off. Right. And I was just willing to do the work when people were sleeping. I got to say, you know, everyone's like, oh, you have like, listen, man, two o'clock in the morning. Who's working three o'clock in the morning? Who's working? You're sleeping. Then I get up at five, six o'clock, seven o'clock, eight o'clock, do it all over again and do it day after day after day after day after day after day after day. You know, and Elon Musk talks about this. He says, and I, I'm not saying this is healthy. I'm just saying that this is what I've done. And I don't have no SpaceX money or, or PayPal, but that's not me. But what I'm saying is that I came from immigrant parents who they're factory workers, man. All they taught me was hard work. Be a good person. Don't do the garbage you were doing on the streets. They try to raise a son who was like an upstanding citizen. So that's my claim to fame, man. And as I've gone along the way, I've read books. I've listened to tapes. I've, you know, <laughs> listened to tapes. What type of tapes did you listen to? You know, I listened to a lot of uh, education that they had through the network marketing company. And that's why I tell people like that four years that I was there, I spent a lot of money on that. And I equate it to my university education because it taught me about people. It taught me about business. It gave me the understanding of building a culture in an organization. And those are real applicable life skills, right? That I've taken and parlayed into the success that I've had to this time. And it's nowhere near the success that I envisioned back then. And, you know, like the 10 Ferraris and the, you know, like that's my dream, man. You know, and honestly, I'm reevaluating that at this point in life because, you know what, 10 Ferraris don't mean anything. I tell people all the time, like money doesn't buy you happiness, man, because I have money and I can't buy my happiness. I don't struggle for bills. I don't even know what my bills cost, to be honest with you. And I haven't for a long time. I just say the money's in the account. Everything's on prepay. Ask me what this cost. That I have no clue, man. I just found out that my card was compromised in December. Oh man, you're late. It's three right? months. The ago. guy's like, we only have a 30 day window. I was like, dude, I haven't checked my card. 
It was just because something didn't seem right. And I was like, let me go check. And I was like, oh, no, I made that purchase. My bad. And I was like, oh, let me check. I'm like, oh, damn, they compromised my card in December. <laughs> oh, man. Right? But it's just no. I never look at my cards. I never look at my bills. I never look at nothing because at the end of the day, everything's always paid for because the money's always there. Have you ever felt insecure about not having a degree? Yeah, man, of course, dude. Like, you know, you get into meetings. I even had last year a meeting with this lady who went to Wharton School of Finance. And the only ever thing I ever heard about Wharton was that's where Donald Trump went to. I was like, man, like that's some smart people's school right there. And uh, this lady came into the meeting and I was just like, man, this lady's from Wharton and she's got a, this and that. And she's like two or three. I don't know, man. And I'm just like, I sat in the meeting and I'm just like, I went toe to toe with you. Right. Like in terms of conversation, in terms of articulation, in terms of business, in terms of understanding the segmented approach to their business, I could see it. And I'm like, okay, so this is what you guys are doing here. And that's why this community manages this. And that's why this segment of the business manages these relationships. And so that you don't, and she's like, yep, that makes sense. Yep. I'm like, okay, great. Like I didn't know, but as you're talking, I started to put the pieces together. In the last few years, I've realized that experience counts for something, right? Because I can go toe to toe with the CMO of, of many companies. Why? Because no, I, I'm not the CMO of Pepsi or Coke or anything, but man, marketing an organization, a product or service, if you're doing it for a billion dollar brand, or you're doing it as an entrepreneur for your side hustle and getting customers and getting engagement and converting sales, it's same, same. You're just doing it at scale. You got a bigger marketing budget than me. That's it. But we're both out there slaying the same dragon. Uh, I, I like that. You don't let it hold you back. You just go. You just, you know, get your experience. Now, back in high school, was there anything you would have changed about the education system so it would appeal to you more? 100%, bro. You know, there's a lot of things that would change about the education system because I feel that um, it's a one-size-fit-all, at least where I come from. I was a square, square, what's the term, square hole in a... In I think it's a square peg in a round hole or something. Something right? like that, right? But you know yeah. what I'm talking about, right? So that was me. And even though they had written me off in terms of like, everyone would say that your son is super smart. He's just not motivated. I'll never forget when I dropped out of grade 10 math class, I was like, my accountant will never ask me what pi means because at the end of the day, like 3.14, whatever, whatever, whatever does not matter. I've never once used that piece of information to make a dollar. My accountant's never said, hey, Victor, you know, about that P&L, what is pie again? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that's never come up in the conversation. Find the value of X. Like I get it. Maybe it's to teach you problem solving skills, but guess what? So does the streets. When you got to make a buck and you don't know how you're going to do it, you got to learn resourcefulness because you don't have resources. And that's why I tell people that one of the greatest gifts that I learned by not having a silver spoon in my mouth was learning resourcefulness. Because with resourcefulness, you drop me anywhere on this planet, bro. I'm going to figure it out. You know, I was talking to someone today about degrees. I said, there's people who are very smart, but they're linear in their thinking. A, B, C, D, E. Problem is, if they get A, B, and C's missing, they don't know how to get to D without C. Well, for me, I'll be like, all right, C ain't there. So how are we getting to D? What's the solution? I see a problem. What's the solution? And becoming solution-minded is what has allowed me to, like I said, when I look at, you know, product agnostic, service agnostic, industry agnostic is what is the problem facing this demographic and how do we provide a valuable service that they're willing to pay for? And we'll test that in the market. And the minute people start paying us, we know we got something. You've obviously had a great level of success. What's the next level of success? 
for you? What does the future have in store for you? Yeah, you know what? It's funny because after this whole thing with my ex-partner in December, so I basically got kicked out of my own company on December in the end of December. And, you know, I have not heard back from them. I have not gotten a dollar in compensation, no real meaningful communication. And it, it's been interesting, man. It's 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 been a little bit of a um I've never experienced anything like this in business. So I really asked myself, like, is this what I really want to do with my life? And for me, my ex-partner, the problem was he was still trying to get his family right financially. And I think he was jealous in some ways that my family was right. Because when it came down to it, we had shook on a 50-50 partnership. And he, when he brought the paperwork, it was a 50% for him, 1% for his wife, and 49% for me. Oh, man, that's sneaky. That's Even though it's sneaky. just 1%, that's sneaky. That's sneaky, right? So I literally said to myself, if I'm going to do something, I want to do something that is is fair and ethical. You know, I want to do something that makes a difference. I've chased money my entire life. You know, before when I was doing some of those things that weren't above board and, and afterwards as well. And in chasing money, you make money. Don't get me wrong. But like I said, you have money. You can't even take care of the problems that you have in life. You know, Biggie said something, more money, more problems. You know what I mean? And for me, I realized that some of that is true, but I would say more money, different problems, you know? And for me, it's not about the money. Yeah. Do I like to make money? Absolutely, man. I feel like you talk about no degree. I never had a great report card, bro. Like, <laughs> Right. But dude, my report card in life, I take a screenshot of my bank account and I say, okay, December 31st, we ended here. Where are we getting to December 31st next year? Right. That's my report card. That's what my accountant wants to know. That's what I want to know. I don't care what the teacher says. Because in life, and I know that that's not all that matters, but if you look at your problems for real, for real, if it's mortgage payments, bills, in the States, you guys don't have healthcare, it's usually something to do with money. 90% of your problems. So if you get rid of those 90%, the 10%, you can't throw money at. And that's what I realized. And one of the things that I know for myself, the next chapter has to do is, is making a difference, making an impact. That's what I want to do with my life. I want to make an impact so that when I leave this world, because we all leave this world, that it was better off because I lived. No, that's wonderful. And I know you'll, you'll have a lot of impact. So let's start to wrap it up. How would people sort of support you? How would they follow you? Right now, the only place that I'm really active on is LinkedIn. That's where we met. If you want to search me on LinkedIn, I'm sure that uh, you're going to have something that you put something in Yeah, the link or the comment or whatever it is. The show notes. The show notes. Do you see what I'm saying? Like, so guys, this is my, this is just so y'all know, this is my, uh, this is my second podcast. So it's, 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 it's new to me. Like, talking about my story, talking about myself. I'm the person like, you know, people always say like, people need to hear your story, man. It's like, I'm like, I don't know, man. I've always liked to be in the shadows, but you know, I think it's time if I'm going to make an impact, people need to know who I am. They need to know what, where I'm coming from. I, I think that, you know, like many others, I'm not the only person, but there's an underdog story. A lot of people, like I said, wrote me off, but I never wrote myself off. And so if people want to connect with me on LinkedIn, I put out some valuable information as you've seen about positivity, mindset, and business. I also started something called Dear Maya. I started that in the pandemic last year. It was one of the greatest things that came out of that pandemic was I was writing letters to my daughter in, in forms of communication because I was working way too hard for that other company. And there was days where I couldn't see her and I just wanted to talk to her. So I started writing letters to her. A few friends of mine started reading them. They're like, wow, this is such amazing information. Like it's so valuable. And I'm like, okay. And they're like, people need to see this. 
I don't want people to see this. It's not for like I'm sharing it with you because I thought it was something cool that I wrote, and uh, it's now out in the world, man. I think today was uh, number 31 on LinkedIn. So follow me on LinkedIn. There's a lot of good stuff happening there. Cool. Thank you so much, Victor. I know you'll have an impact on the audience. I look forward to your journey, and I know the listeners look forward to it too. Thank you so much for your time. Appreciate you, bro. Thank you so much. Another great episode. Thank you for listening. Hopefully this information was valuable and you learned a lot. Stay tuned for the next episode. This show is sponsored by you. No Degree wants to remain free from influence so that we can talk about the topics without bias. If you think the show is worth a dollar or two, please check out our Patreon page. Any amount is appreciated and we'll go towards making future episodes even better. Follow us on Instagram or Snapchat at No Degree Podcast. On Facebook at facebook.com slash no degree inc. If you want to personally reach out to me, connect or follow me on LinkedIn at Janaid Iqbal, spelled J-O-N-A-E-D, last name I-Q-B-A-L. Until next time, no degree, no problem, no degree.com. Yeah, so... You got no degree? No problem. No problem. Any problem, we can solve them. We got this. Linked insomnia keeps us evolving. Growing and knowing. Wisdom is flowing. If you didn't know, now you know where I'm going. If you didn't know, now you know. Let's sing that again, everybody. No degree, no problem. Any problem, we can solve them. Insomnia keeps us evolving. We're growing in the knowing, the wisdom is flowing. If you didn't know, now you know where I'm going. No degree, no problem. Any problem, we can solve them. LinkedIn insomnia keeps us evolving. We're growing in the knowing, the wisdom is flowing. If you didn't know, now you know where I'm going.